I'm willing to bet that you have a decision you should be making, a problem you should be solving, a possibility you should be examining, a project you should be starting, a goal you should be reaching, an opportunity you should be seizing, a dream you should be fulfilling. He looked into the eyes of the animals and they seemed to be sad. Maybe even they knew what was about to happen. They seemed anxious. Their ears twitched. Angels were poised to attend him. They knew he had physical limitations while remaining divine. His hunger became a dull ache, then a sharp stabbing pain, then faded back to being dull once again. His mind remained sharp as always. His baptism, a fresh memory. The father's voice loud and clear inside his heart. It was all about to begin. He would soon be in Nazareth to read the scroll. Yet this testing stood in the way. He could almost smell the enemy coming closer, nearer. The enemy was an interesting character of sorts. His thinking was always an outsizing of reality. He lied rather easily. He attacked with cunning. He stealthily entered the drama of redemption, unknowingly a sharp tool of the Father's will. In this moment, a thought of early triumph flickered in his dark plan. Maybe he could end it all right here, right now, in the ragged wilderness. Take him down. The animals had retreated to safer positions from which to observe this hunt. Quickly it came now. The first test launched with deadly confidence, like a gleaming warrior's spear aims for the heart. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, Luke chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Imagine how hungry he was, how much he wanted something to eat. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Matthew chapter 4 puts it this way. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus quotes scripture from Deuteronomy three times as he is tempted. The word tempt can also be translated test in the Greek. As he is tested here in the wilderness, he quotes Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament, the second law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the second law. In Deuteronomy 8.3, it reads this way, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Then Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6.13. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only. And then Deuteronomy 6.16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, as you did at Massah. And what I love about the New Testament, what I love about the Bible, is that these little things pop up and they draw your mind to stories. And Jesus was, of course, steeped in the stories of Israel. He was steeped in the scripture. And he knew every jot and tittle of everything. And, and so here he quotes a passage from Deuteronomy 6.16 where he knows that this word is in there to the test. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massah or Massa. Let me go to that passage, Exodus 17.7. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? See, Massa means testing and Meribah means quarreling. And so the place was named testing and quarreling. If you're driving down the road, you see the sign up ahead for the next town, one mile to quarreling. One mile down the road to testing. Population everyone. Is the Lord among us or not? Let me take you to the story that Jesus knew so, so very well. Exodus 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink, so they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out, up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. 
I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. God knew how to get water for the people. The people were testing him. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah, testing and quarreling because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? You don't want to end up anywhere, anytime, any place in your life where you go, is, are you there, God? Are you going to do something for me? Don't you realize where I am right now? I don't care what you've done before. I don't care what I learned in the past. I don't care what I've seen. Right now, this is where I need something to happen, God. Right now, my time, my time, my time, God. Here's the question of the day. What tempts you? Or better put, what tests you? The Greek word for tempt also means test. Trappist monk Thomas Merton put it this way, the biggest human temptation is to settle for too little. Jesus being tested in the wilderness proved two things. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. He knew the word of God and he knew God. And so he didn't worry about the tests. He knew the answers. He knew what he was doing. He, he understood it all. So he wasn't at risk to give the wrong answer. Your tests in life will test who you really are and your willingness to go the way God wants you to go. And on the other side of that coin is always not trusting God and demanding that God show up on your terms at your times. Three main tests arise in this fourth chapter of Luke. The test of primary focus. What really is the focus of your life each and every day? Because there are so many things that vie for our attention. And there's so many things on the schedule. And there's so many things that, has, that have to get done. So many boxes that we need to check. But the test of primary focus means that you don't live by bread alone. You don't live by work alone. You don't live by meal to meal to meal to meal alone. You have a, a higher focus that drives you through your days, a higher focus that helps you plan, a higher focus that helps you think, a higher focus that drives you to pray. You know that it's God's word. You know that it's your relationship with God that must be woven into the moments and the minutes, the opportunities that every day brings. It's the test of primary focus, the test of preeminent service. Who are you really serving? It's so easy to, to serve the wrong things, to serve the wrong priorities, to serve the wrong person, to not realize that, that your service to God is everything. It's everything that you really do. It's all the gifts that he's given you and the passion that he's given you going in the right direction. This, this test of preeminent service drives us to do the right things, to be aligned with his kingdom and what he's doing. When we say everyone connected to ministry and mission, every 
everyone looking like Jesus. It means that we understand the answers to, the, to these tests, the test of primary focus, the test of preeminent service. We want to know how can I be connected? How can I do what God's asking me to do with what he's given me, with what I have, with, with the gifts that I have? It's so easy to, to lose focus. It's so easy to lose the, the direction of what we're serving. And then finally, there's the test of practical trust. You know that your life is always in his hands. And you know that the results of where you're going are always what he's doing. And so even though you can't see far enough down the road, even though you can't see around the bend, you know and believe in what God is doing, that he's going to end up doing something good in and through all the circumstances and events of your life over the span of your life. For God causes all things to work together for good to those, who are, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say everything is good, but it says somehow God takes everything and molds it into an ultimate good, into something that, that benefits and blesses your life and blesses the lives of others. The test of primary focus, the test of preeminent service, the test of practical trust, these are the, the key tests that arise out of, the, out of the text. And this thought comes to my mind. What tests you is what will ultimately define you. What tests you is what will ultimately define you because it will give you the time and the place to make the right choices, the time and the place in God's time to do what God's called you to do. I love when, when these moments come up. I'm, I'm watching a movie and I see this, this moment that is going to define everything. It defines the whole story. When I went to see The Darkest Hour, I saw this moment where in the life of Winston Churchill, he, did, he wasn't always popular and he wasn't always in a position of, of authority, but authority and power were, were foisted upon him. And, and during the Second World War, he had to, to make a defining choice. He had to be tested and the test would define his leadership forever. And this scene just kind of encapsulates it all. Take a look. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with, with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender! And if... which I, I, I do not for a moment believe, this island or large part of it were, were, were subjugated and starving, then our empire be on the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God 
God's good time. The new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. Change your mind. Those who never change their minds never change anything. <laughs> Those who never change their mind never change everything. But the defining statement is in God's good time. In God's good time. He knows that this is a test. It's a test of leadership. It's a test of faith. It's a test of character. It's in that moment that you are defined what tests you will ultimately define you. I'm willing to bet that you have a decision, you have a problem, you have a possibility, you have a project, you have a goal, you have an opportunity, you have a dream. And that each and every one of those moments is a test that will define you. As you look at these tests that Jesus went through and he knew who he was and he knew where he was going. He was, he was in between his baptism. He knew that the Father was well pleased with him. He was in between his baptism and, and his standing up in the synagogue to read the, the scroll from Isaiah where he was announcing why he came and what he was going to do. He knew all that. We have to look at the fact that we too have tests. And, and these tests that, that sort of rolled through my mind, I believe, challenge all of us each and every day, each and every year to, to define us for who God wants us to be, who God needs us to be. Let me give you these tests. And, and don't worry about writing them all down or taking notes because they're all out at the Connection Center, the Welcome Connect Center. I have these all prepared for you two sides of one sheet of paper so you can look at it later because these, these tests are important. They, these tests are like a mirror that you can look into to see who you are or to see who you want to be, to see who God needs you to be. So let me take you through these tests. Let's look into the mirror of these tests. And I won't, I won't spend time on each and every one, but I'll focus on the ones I think we, we most need this morning. You have the test of external pressure. The world is always squeezing you. The world is always trying to squeeze you into its own mold. One translator of the New Testament put it that way, squeezing you into its own mold. But, but the test is a test of no capitulation. I'm not giving in to any of that. I'm not giving up. I'm not resigning. I'm not, I'm not quitting. No capitulation. There's the test of expectations of others which to me talks about no lack of preparation for what God's called me to do, for what God's asking of my life. The, the expectations of others could range far and wide, but we don't have to pay attention to that. We have to stay focused. Again, the, the test of, of focus, primary focus. Charles Stanley put it this way in a great quote. Too many Christians have a commitment of convenience. They'll stay faithful as long as it's safe and doesn't involve risk, rejection, or criticism. 
Instead of standing alone in the face of challenge or temptation, they check to see which way their friends are going. There's this test of the expectations of others. And you must have no lack of preparation in your life to know who God's called you to be and where God's called you to go. You must pass that test. There's the test of weariness, which means there are times to get rest for what God's bringing on the horizon. Don't, don't erase your limits. You have to set your limits down so you can be strong for what is coming up. The test of failure, no fear of failure is mentoring work. The test of maturity, no acceptance of selfishness. There are things that defeat us just because of our own self-centeredness. And some of us, and I include me in the some of us, we get stuck in the self-centered and a self-centered area that we've been stuck in for years, sometimes decades. One of my good, good, wise, wise friends a long time ago said to me after I was trying to explain to him my struggle about whatever it was, and he said, I said, what is this? And he says, Michael, it's just another layer of self-centeredness peeling off. And when that peels off, it hurts and you struggle, but you have to, you have to pass that test. Then there's the test of seeing what others don't see. Let me, let me stay there for a second. The test of seeing what others don't see. No superficial views of reality. No superficial views of relationship. No superficial views of strategy or organization. It's easy to, to just say something that rolls off the tongue, that has a, a catchy, snappy tune to it. It's easy to, to look at something and see what's there, but to see what... Very few people see. That's the test. I was in Nicaragua for the very first time. And, and I was in a dining hall after the, the noon meal with about 60 kids. And, uh, and everybody put up the chairs and the tables, pushed them all out of the way. And I was there when a, a child of about, I don't know, 10, 12 years of age took up his job of sweeping the entire floor, the floor that was about, let's, let's call it 20 by 30. And it was a big, big floor. And imagine 60 kids had just eaten lunch and imagine all the, the leftover food that had fallen on the floor and this child's job is to, to sweep the floor. And I looked at the broom that the child had, about this wide, and in the middle, these bristles, these bristles were knocked out. So you have two sets of bristles like this. These are knocked out you're sweeping a room that's about 20 by 30. It was crazy. And, and I, I watched this child do this, and my heart just ached. And I thought, buy a broom. Buy a broom that's three feet wide. We'll get this done in, in no time. Doesn't anybody see this? Doesn't anybody see? We wouldn't allow this for a minute back in the United States. We wouldn't, let, we wouldn't we'd look at it as, as abusing of a, of a child to make a child do something like that. I would look at it as an abuse of an adult making them do something like that. Give the tool that needs to apply to the job requirements. Why wasn't that seen before I was there just for a few days? The challenge is always no superficial views. See what others don't see. What do, what do we not see in ministry? What do we not see in mission? 
What, what do we not see when we go home to our families? What do we not see in the life of a child? What do we not see in our offices or in our places of work? So often the test is seeing what others don't see. The test of doing what others won't do. No cutting corners. The test of community unity. No drama, no excuses. I'm going to come back to that. The test of relational transparency. No manipulation. No, I'm going to control you so that you do what I do. I'm going to, I'm going to control you so that you think the way I think. You can't really be you. You've got to be an extension of me. But let's go back to where the action is most of the time in businesses, on teams, in churches, on committees. The test of community unity. No drama. No excuses. It's so easy to deteriorate to drama and excuses. We see it all the time as we watch the news. We see it all the time as we, we, see, as we read you know, the, the latest breaking news. Excuses. Drama. We use a word around here. Troy told you uh, about a phrase that we used around here earlier. Let me tell you about a word that we use around here. It's a Spanish word. And it's simply bochinche. Bochinche. And bochinche means talking, 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 talking. Talking about what's wrong. Talking about that person, what they did, what they said, what they didn't say, what they should have said. Talking, 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 talking. An old pastor friend of mine used to call it quacking. Quack, 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 quack. Talking, talking. Bochinche. No bochinche. A bochinche free zone, a drama free zone, an excuses free zone. Speaking the truth in love. Is there something wrong? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, the word of God says. There's room for being better. There's room for making appropriate changes. A community is going to rise and fall on this principle of unity. When there is no drama, and when there are no excuses, a community rises. When there's a lot of drama, bochinche, a lot of excuses. Well, he said that. Why do I have to do it if, if they didn't? Well, I know that they got permission. Why can't, why can't I have permission? When it's all about personal agenda, it falls. When it's all about how can we all win together, it rises. It aligns with, with what God is trying to do. Finally, the test of trusting God at the crossroads. No turning back. You can't live at the crossroads. In his book, The Last Arrow, Save nothing for the next life. Erwin McManus writes this reaction to a story from the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 7. He writes, It makes one wonder how many times we choose to remain in our desperation rather than allow it to drive us to the abundance that awaits us. And of this I am certain, whatever God has for us, whatever promises he longs to fulfill in our lives, whatever riches may await us, we will find them only when we choose to cross enemy lines and surrender our, ourselves to life. What he means is the life that God wants us to have, the vine and the branches life. Choose to cross 
enemy lines and surrender ourselves to life. Sometimes we blame God for his lack of concern. Well, all the time what's missing is our urgency. We expect God to act, but we never take responsibility to act ourselves. We decide that playing it safe is the reasonable choice. We tell ourselves that only fools would believe that their best future would exist in a place of their greatest danger. Your best future always exists in a place of your greatest danger. Because your greatest danger is to go, is the Lord among us or not? Are you going to show up now in my time? Because I'm not interested in your time. I want it right here and right now. What tempts you and what tests you is always what will ultimately define you. And so at some point with these tests, you've got to answer the questions that the tests bring. And again, the questions are out there, and I would suggest that you take them and that you look at the one this week that you go, that's the question I most need to answer. That's, that's my mirror. That's my mirror that I need to look into and answer that question for what God's doing in my life right now so that I know who I am. I know where I'm really going. I'm not just hit and run every single day. Here are the test questions. Where am I tempted to surrender to outside pressure right now? Pressure's always coming in. Where am I tempted to surrender to it? Where am I battling the expectations of others? Everybody wants me to do this, to be this, to say this. Where am I doing battle? Where do I need to rest and establish limits? The best followers of Christ find times to rest and restore. The best leaders find times to rest and restore. What do I need to learn from my most recent failure? How do I let failure mentor me, teach me? Where did I just fail and I need failure to show me something new? What selfish area am I still wrestling with? It's been a decade. It's been two, and I still do the same thing. I I live the same way, trying to get my needs met. Where do I need to let that peel off? How can I observe with intent what's right in front of me? How can I see what others don't see? Where am I tempted to cut corners to just get it done? Let's just get it done. We can get it done if we we just, just minimize this. That'll cut 10 hours off the job. Or am I tempted to cut corners just to get it done? How can I or we diminish drama and embrace grace in community? How can I be more honest and less controlling? Be honest with you and care about you and not try to control you or manipulate you. Where do I need to trust God's leading and keep moving? The temptation or test is always and will always be, is the Lord among us or not? Come on. And what tests you is what will ultimately define you. So do you know who you are this morning? Do you know where you're going? I'm willing to bet that you have a decision you should be making, a problem you should be solving, a possibility you should be examining, a project you should be starting, a goal you should be reaching, an opportunity you should be seizing, a dream 
you should be fulfilling. Don't live on bread alone. Don't do it. Serve him only with all your heart. Worship him and serve him only. Let that define you. Trust him explicitly. Don't camp out at the crossroads with your demands. Follow him. Keep following him. It will always get you through the wilderness. Always. Because this, this is Jesus according to Scripture. Dear Heavenly Father, as we see your Son tested in the wilderness with the challenges of the evil one, it wasn't much of a test, really, because he knew who he was, and he knew where he was going, and he was eager to get on with it because he knew what he was going to do to reach out and save us. Father, help us to, to look into the mirror of the tests of our lives and to be defined by what is right and what is good, what will challenge us to open our eyes, what will challenge us to, to reach for a real community, what will challenge us to be who you want us to be, Father. Heavenly Father, do the testing in our lives, the testing that will ultimately show us who we are. May we be your sons and your daughters. May we be your servants forever. In Jesus' name, amen.